0: you're listening to faith community church's weekly podcast we hope this week's message from god is insightful and an inspiration to you with that let's pray because i know i need it before we get into the scripture father god thank you for just your goodness in our lives um I'm thankful here as a local that there's just something about the fog and the changing colors that for us feels sort of seasonal. Um, and I'm just thankful for the rhythms of life here in Santa Cruz. Um, I love the fall season. I love the rhythms of the, of the different seasons that we get. Um, as I, we all are praying for rain this winter, I pray that your Holy Spirit will rain upon us. The things that you want. To say and show us. And if there's a challenge in there, that should challenge us. And so I ask that you would speak through me this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's get into the word Matthew chapter 13 and verse 10. And let's read it. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? And he replied, "'Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah.'" You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. This is God's precious word. On um, Monday of this week, uh, my youngest brother, Paul, he would have turned 56 years old. And as many of you know, my brother's not with us anymore. And on Monday, as I was getting ready to kind of study for this sermon, there were as I was thinking about Paul, there were tears, as I thought, about his sudden death, along with the sadness of the growing, strange, never-would-have-thought-this-would-have-happened-to-me estrangement between us and the years before Paul died. This rift of bitterness that he had towards me that even after a couple years of his death, I still don't fully understand why he was so angry with me. Somewhere along the line, I did something to hurt my brother. Now, saying that, that shouldn't surprise anybody because I'm human and I do have the capacity to hurt people, even people very close to me. Just ask my family. I can do that. But what is surprising and is hard is that my brother Paul, he never allowed himself to tell me what was really bugging him. Um, what what it was that I'd done that so wounded him? I tried, I did call, I tried, I asked, but the only times that he would ever give him, give me any kind of like insight into what was going on is he would angrily tell me. I think it only happened twice. He just said, "You should know what the right thing to do is, and then do it." That's all I'm going to tell you. And so I didn't. I ended up in this place. I did not like playing a zero sum game with my brother. Here's what the zero sum game was that I was always 100% in the wrong, and he was always able to walk away, at least in his mind, 100% in the right. I didn't like being stuck in a zero-sum game with him. And so I became irritated, I admit it to you, and I was left racking my brain, trying to somehow guess what, what was it that hurt him so badly that made him hate me so greatly. I could not figure it out. And all of that, it made me more angry and far less willing to care or make any repairs. <laughs> but I also was thinking this week about how at the same time I read Jesus's words. And I read Jesus's words in Matthew chapter five, verses 23 and 24. Here's what he says, quote, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar First go and be reconciled to them and then come off for your gift. And I was serving as a pastor at Faith Community Church. I was serving at, I guess we would call it, the altar. I was leading in worship. I was teaching God's word. I was leading in Holy Eucharist communion. But I would respond to the Jesus that I was encountering in the scriptures. And I would respond to Jesus in my own frustration. And I'd say, yeah, I hear you, but... You know what I mean? Jesus, I hear what you're saying about reconciliation being a good thing. But my, this, this other guy, my brother, is not interested in reconciliation. Yeah, I hear you. That my first priority is this broken relationship with my younger brother. But he won't even tell me what it is. After numerous attempts on my part to try to repeat, he won't even tell me what it is. And how am I supposed to guess in the whole condition of the human experience of the thousands of things I could have done? Well, which one? Jesus, I hear you that I need to work for peace. But how do I know what to do when he's just leaving me wildly guessing? What I'm trying to get at is this. I could hear Jesus' words, but I struggled to really listen because of so many reasons I had in my head that made me think, Jesus can't actually mean what he's saying. And that is not the first time in my life I've done that. Followers of Jesus Christ, a.k.a. disciples, are generally pretty good at hearing Jesus. We can hear him. I mean, we give time, some of us more, some of us less, to Bible reading. It's getting less and less with every passing year in our culture. But we do. We give some time to it. Bible reading, sermon listening, podcast listening downloading, whatever it is, we've got community group attendance, Bible studies, to hear what Jesus says. We spend some time hearing what Jesus says about, let's just take money, wealth, and poverty. We hear what he says about these things, but we struggle to listen carefully to how what he is saying actually challenges our assumptions about wealth and poverty and confronts our comforts in a consumptive culture. We are pretty good at hearing Jesus when it comes to things like our relationships and forgiveness and reconciliation, but we fail to listen to the real humility it requires in us and from us. We hear a lot of things that Jesus says about love. We all want to talk about love. We sing songs about love. We write poems about love and what Jesus says about love and what Jesus says about service and compassion. But we don't really listen to the surrender and the sacrifice that is found in Jesus' definition of love. We hear Jesus talking about the kingdom of heaven. But we don't tune in and really listen to all of the ways that his vision of his eternal kingdom confronts and dismantles so many of our political preferences. And I don't care what aisle you're on. If you're not really listening, you don't realize how much he's dismantling your preferences. More than ever before in human history, Jesus can be heard. He can be heard, and he is being heard in all kinds of ways. Jesus can be heard. You turn on the television. I, I don't even know on my cable. I still have one a cable hookup of how many... I don't even know. We probably could like add up. How many television programs are out there, you know, pushing out Jesus 24 hours a day? You can hear about Jesus on TV. You can hear about Jesus on radio. You can read about him in books. Did you know that in the last 50 years, Christian publications about Jesus and the Bible has been a massive money-making proliferation. You can hear about Jesus in books. You can hear about Jesus on podcasts. You can hear about Jesus in worship gatherings. If you attend once out of every four weeks, like the standard American attendee, you can hear about Jesus on your phone. You can hear about Jesus on YouTube. You can hear about Jesus on social media. And with all the hearing, are we listening? So today we continue our study, come follow me. We are trying to study these intimate conversations that Jesus had with the 12 in the book of Matthew. These are not the public conversations. These are the private conversations. And I think these are conversations that when we enter into them and we think about them critically, they do deepen our apprenticeship to our Lord and our Savior, who we're we're calling Lord. And so what we've learned is this up to this point so far. The first part, the first scene we watched was where Jesus says to them, come follow me. And we've heard Jesus's call in our lives, in this church, re-engineer your life around following me. And I hope you've been thinking about that. The second thing we heard two weeks ago was where Jesus is talking to the disciples. He says, look at the harvest field. There's this massive harvest field, but the workers are few. And what we learned is Jesus is also calling us, pray for more workers and be one, be a worker. So hold your place in Matthew 13, verse 10, because we're going to explore this text today. Now, in the previous few days that we leading up to our passage, Matthew 13, starting in verse 10, in the previous few days, Jesus has been telling some parables, Now, there's an interesting reason why that happens in the book of Matthew. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus didn't start talking about the mysteries of the kingdom of God through parables until this really significant thing happened, twice. Really pivotal and really interesting. The first one is, if you have your Bible, you can flip back to it if you want to, but it's in Matthew chapter 9, Verse 34, Jesus comes along, and in his great power and compassion, he relieves a man who has been harassed demonically. And by his power and his authority, the demonic harassment ends in this man's life. And the Pharisees, who should have been excited, like, whoa, by this incredible act of power and compassion in this man's life, Here's what they say in Matthew 9:34, direct quote. They say, quote, it is by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. Translation, this Jesus dude, he's demonic. <laughs> he's demonic. First time. Second time, if you flip over to Matthew chapter 12, verses 22 through 37, Jesus relieves another demon demonic harassed human being and out of great compassion and power he takes away all the demonic harassment in this man's life and he's free and the pharisees make the exact same accusation of jesus that he was of the devil he's demonic this guy's demonic the moment the good guys of israel and I know we, we, we fail to see this because, you know, we read in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Pharisees and Jesus, they go toe-to-toe a lot. And so down through the ages, the Pharisees become, you know, kind of like, um, you know, I don't know, Sith Lords or something like that in Scripture. And that is not how they played in real time in the, in the first century. In the first century, they were viewed as the good guys, Because they were devout in their love for God. They genuinely loved God. They committed their lives in practical ways in the real world experience about applying their love to God to their community and to people around them and to their worship and to their hopes that God's kingdom would come and that his will would be done on earth as it is heaven. So all the people around them viewed the Pharisees as the good guys. And so the moment the good guys of Israel became so hard of heart and of hearing that they actually accused Jesus of being from the devil that's when Jesus starts talking in parables. And so he starts telling parables. And the 12 disciples pull Jesus aside after these string of parables. And they ask in our passage this morning, they say, why are you now talking in parables? What's happening here? What happened? As in, Jesus, why don't you make yourself as obvious and clear as a recipe for matzo ball soup? Like, just do the recipe thing. Tell them what the recipe is. If we're trying to gain traction in this kingdom of heaven thing here is why the weird parables? And Jesus tells them in verse 11 and 12. He essentially tells them, he says this, an understanding of the secrets. Secrets is the word in the NIV translation. Maybe some of your translations is the word mysteries. The secrets, the understanding of the secrets of the mysteries has been given to my disciples. But not everyone gets these mysteries. Now when Jesus is talking about secret, he's talking about mysteries. Um, he, he's not talking about God purposely kind of it being sort of in this sinister place like, hey, 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 I've got a secret I'm not sharing with anybody. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about there's this fact within the kingdom of God, that God's kingdom is going to invade and heal history and creation. You got that part? That God is going to invade and heal history and all of creation. Now, by the way, the Pharisees and all those watching and the disciples asking, they had a really clear, they grew up in a culture that talked about that. They knew that part. But with the added mystery that all of that kingdom has already entered the world. It's here. It's, it's entered the world through Jesus in a quiet, humble way, working secretly within and among humanity. That's the secret. That's the mystery. That's happening. And so Jesus says those with hearts ready for this mystery, they're going to gain a freer and a deeper understanding of it, while those with hearts that aren't ready, they're going to find whatever little understanding they have just slip through their fingers. It's all going to go away. And so then Jesus says to his disciples, he says, well, why do I talk in parables? Well, because. Though a lot of people are staring at me, they aren't actually seeing me. Though a lot of people hear the sound of my voice, they don't get anything of what I'm saying. I'm talking in parables because I want to find out who's really listening to me. Listening. In order to harden the already hard of heart, The heart's already hard. It's just going to get harder. And also in order to more fully enlighten the really ready of heart. I tell parables because I want to see who's really listening to me. And sadly, Jesus goes on and he goes, let me give you a commentary about what I'm watching happen right in front of me. And I'm going to use old prophet Isaiah in his commentary of ancient Israel. And he's saying, what happened in ancient Israel is happening all over again today. And by the way, a little aside from me, it's happening even now today. Jesus goes on to say that there are a lot of people who are hearing him. It's the Greek word akon, the, the, the word for merely sensing sound. You know, like, you know, Charlie Brown's teacher, womp, 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 that you can hear the sense of the sound. That's what akon means. They're akon me, they're sensing sound, but they're never understanding the Greek word tsunami, which is actually making a connection or joining together. So they're sensing sound and making no connections. Jesus says the next thing that's true about them from old prophet Isaiah is they see me. Greek word blepo, they're sensing images, but never perceiving. The Greek word horao, meaning you're actually becoming acquainted by experience of what it all means. They're calloused, Greek word pakuno, which means to make thick or stupefied. Jesus, man, being a little rough here. Sticking their fingers in their ears, screwing their eyes shut so they wouldn't have to look at him and deal with Jesus face to face and let him heal them. But Jesus then finishes by saying this in our passage, he says, those who become Jesus' true disciples, they get to see and they get to hear and they get to experience what so many old prophets faithful prophets and so many dear righteous people of long ago of ancient times they would have given anything in their lives to see and hear but they get to we get to so jesus is calling us in this same huddle two thousand years later as we read this text jesus is calling us to this have a heart ready to actively listen to me Have a heart ready to actively listen. Not hear me, actively listen to me. As we've been saying, and as well as Jesus made very clear here in the text, there is a big difference between hearing the sound of a voice, just ask any married couple, (laughs) hearing the sound of a voice and listening to the gravity of the meaning in the sounds you're hearing. There's a big difference. There's a big difference between the Greek word akon, which is sensing sound coming out of somebody's face, and the tsunami, meaning you're making any connections about the sounds you're hearing. There's a difference. Now, we live on this part of history where there's actually been a ton of work since Jesus made this astute observation 2,000 years ago of research in clinical psychology. And this research still stands up. In the early part of the 20th century, clinical psychologist Carl Rogers, I'm telling you now, you've all read from him somewhere along the line, whether in high school or college or something, Carl Rogers and a guy named Richard Farson, they're the ones who coined the term active listening. And in it, active listening is this. It is a method which requires, we'll put it up on the screen, it requires that we get inside the speaker, that we grasp from their point of view, just what it is they're communicating to us. Now that squares with what Jesus is saying about listening to him. Active listening, and these are some skills that don't just apply to Jesus. If you want to apply them in your significant relationship, please be my guest. But active listening is making the sacrifice to get outside of us for a minute. To get outside of us for a minute. To get outside of our assumptions. To get outside of our comfort. To get outside of our preferences. And in my case, get outside of my next argument. And then doing the hard work of grasping what Jesus, as best as we can understand, his point of view as God... Is trying to communicate with us. That's active listening. Now, I will tell you, here are the five elements that the leading social scientists up to this moment give us. as Here are the five key active listening skills. Now, again, you can take them with you and use them at home. Please do. But I want to show you how these interpret into our walk with Jesus. The first one is this, and I would encourage you to write them down. And that is this. Show interest. <laughs> it's pretty fundamental show a little interest. But let's talk about how does this relate with Jesus? Actually carve out rhythms of life. And by carving, that means, just imagine that image. You've got to do something with your own personalized energy to invest in the carving. Actually carve out rhythms of life to consistently present yourself before Jesus. Have some interest. Whether it's in your Bible reading or Bible reading read to you. I mean, gosh, folks, we are the most without an excuse to be exposed to the Bible of ever before in human history. Have it read to you for 30 seconds, whatever it is. But to have the Bible read to you, come into worship, live in community. And can I just bump it up for all of us? And if you're listening at home, come on, bump up your attendance at church. I mean, we, we, we can, we, I think we can handle it. And if you want to bring your pajamas, I don't care. Come in your PJs with your coffee. Doesn't matter to me. But show some interest. So when you do read your Bible, or when you're having the Bible read to you by your phone, when you do it, Do it more than, I'm checking a spiritual box, and I'm completely tuned out, and I don't care anything about this. But I did it, Jesus. No, show some interest. Like, I want to learn something. I want to get something out of it. When you do listen to a sermon, or you do come to your community group, seek to learn something. When the Holy Spirit, as you're reading the Bible, says, hey, he's talking to you on this, don't go, oh, that's interesting, and walk away. Lean into it. Do something with it. Show interest. The second thing is this. Avoid interruption. Don't be the dog looking for the squirrel. And I will say say this. Look, in fairness to all of us, the level of closeness and clarity in our walk with Jesus, it's going to ebb and flow at different seasons of life. That's a given. That happens. But this is a, a commitment to wherever the distractions do come, to get back to tuning into Jesus as consistently and as meaningfully as you can. To get back in there. And by the way, all of us as human beings, we need these places. If you've got to find a place in your home or or a place on the road or if it's in your truck and you know that when you're in your truck, you turn everything off and you turn off your phone and that's where you tune into Jesus and you can be understood. Find your space. Avoid interruption. The second one is this. Maintain interest. Let me read to you from Dallas Willard, who's a brilliant philosopher at USC wrote many books loves Jesus Christ and was considered one of the top gurus of Christian spiritual formation but here's what Dallas Willard writes quote Jesus is not just nice he is brilliant he is the smartest man who ever lived he is now supervising the entire course of world history while simultaneously preparing the rest of the universe for our future role in it. He always has the best information on everything. Unquote. Maintain some interest. Continually remind yourself that Jesus has a mind that you would be a fool to not want to know and understand. He's the smartest man in the universe. Maintain interest. The fourth one is this, postpone judgment. Do the hard work of editing out the, yeah, I hear you, but the, yes, but the, but I think, do the, and it's hard work, the hard work of editing out these common reactions that we have to Jesus. And just try, just calm down, take five deep breaths when you read him or you hear him and it kind of makes you spool up a little bit, just try to hear him on his terms before we try to defend ourselves, try to explain it away, or try to conclude, well, he can't mean exactly what it's saying. The final thing is this, is organize information. This is true of any kind of active listening. If you don't, what you've just listened to, do some Few moments, even of trying to integrate what did I just hear, how would I summarize it, and how do I make sense of it. I'm telling you now, you're going to forget all of it. You just forget it. That's, in fact, probably what happens with most of the sermons that I give Sunday afternoon. Because we don't spend any time thinking about "What, what do I do with this. But in active listening, you do that. You actually take the time to go, What did I hear? What do I do with it? So we need to slow down long enough in some way in your mind. And Jesus is brilliant in the different ways he's created some of us. Some of us, our minds work really well with patterns that we make. Some of us work really well with just words that we have in our heads. Some of us work well with telling stories. Some of us work well with pictures. Whatever it is in your mind, take enough time to slow down and integrate in your mind with a pattern or a picture or a story. What did you hear and how does this affect your life? Those are the five things, show interest, avoid interruption, maintain judgment, postpone, maintain interest, postpone judgment, and organize the information. And when we actively listen to Jesus, he promises, this is my words from the passage, that when you have a heart ready for listening, the richest insights and understandings of the kingdom flow freely in your life. So here's what this means. As I said earlier, um, I, I had good reasons, fairly, to feel anger towards my brother, um, to, to feel justified hearing Jesus's words, go be reconciled, but not really listen to Jesus's clear appeal. Because I mean, actually listening to Jesus in a way that didn't write him off and go, well, that can't mean exactly what he means, made it incredibly difficult for me to play the convenience card or the comfort card, which is a really good one for a lot of evangelical Christians. Ah, this is uncomfortable. I'm just going to go down the street to the next church or what, you know whatever it is. I couldn't play the convenience or the comfort card. I had to allow myself to be haunted in a good way by Jesus' actual words. I just let it haunt me for a bit. And then as I let Jesus' words haunt me and challenge me, listening meant that I had to at least integrate into my thinking how I had to at least pray for Paul and pray for reconciliation. And even pray for my heart as I was praying for reconciliation that I don't want reconciliation. And I recognize that as I'm praying for reconciliation, so I'm praying for my heart to want reconciliation, to have that conversation. And then as I prayed for reconciliation, the Holy Spirit moved me And I I thought I'd done everything that I could possibly think to do. The Holy Spirit challenged me to really think about what possible thing, even the littlest thing, I could do to still try to seek peace. I mean, because all of the means of communication, they had gone dark. Calling, talking, it's just everything went off the rails every time. And the only thing I had left was to go old school, and write letters with actual stamps and mailboxes and everything. Because in that place, he, whatever he needed to say and how he needed to attack me, he could do it in a letter and I could not be reactive. I could take my time and pray over the letter and then try to write back. And so we wrote back and forth, I want to say 12 to 15 awkward letters to try to find understanding, try to find some healing. Can I tell you... Uh, a great reconciliation story with a big red Christian bow on top. I can't I wish I could I can't, but I can say this week that um, as I still grieve the estrangement before Paul died and Paul's sudden death on Christmas Eve, at least i 'm at peace because before the Lord, because I actually listened to Jesus. And I, and I tried, and I tried to integrate in my life, what does this mean for me? Jesus is the one who's calling us to actively listen to him. And what that means for us practically is to take what Jesus says and actually try to integrate it into your real life. Not just like, that's an interesting theory, I'll get around to that in 20 years like to actually try to integrate it into your real life. This is the bringing it into the real world of active listening. And by the way, did you know that active listening means somehow the receiver brings what they've listened to into the real world? This is bringing it into the real world. And the bringing it into the real world side of listening is to take what Jesus says about your personal worldview your perspective on how you see God and how you see the world and how you see other people and how you see yourself and put in some effort trying to integrate Jesus's worldview into the healing and the transformation of your worldview. It's it's taking the time to take, hear what Jesus said, listen to what Jesus says about your relationships. How You behave towards God, how you behave towards people around you, how you behave in significant relationships, how you behave towards yourself. And press past the discomfort, which is often where Jesus is going to lead you in relationships. Press past the discomfort and the easy reasons we give ourselves to be like, "Ah, I can pull back, in order to figure out how to love when love isn't easy it's to take what jesus says about your resources all of your resources how you invest your time it's not your time it's not your time it's his time how do you invest your time and your talents and all of your assets for the sake of the glory of god and 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 then to hear those to hear that and listen to that and then bring yourselves to think through how jesus challenges and changes your use of the resources that he's sharing with you and they're all his take the time to listen to what jesus says about your personal eschatological narrative i know it's a big term i know but i also am saying it because i know you can handle it eschatological narrative is a big way of saying your view of the future what Jesus, listen carefully to what Jesus is saying about your view of the future. A lot of us need this right now because there's a thick layer of fear in a lot of people. How you reactively tend to look at tomorrow and the distant future, listen and then critically assess how you define hope and move towards an accurate and a more peace-filled view of your immediate future, your distant future, and your eternal future. And also, please allow me to appeal to more active listening to Jesus on the things that the Holy Spirit is inviting us as a community of faith, faith community church, to consider at this, this particular time, right now, October of 2022, in our church's life, that we are in a time of this church in this next year, we're trying to prepare for the next season of vital mission. Like something is brewing that the Holy Spirit wants to prepare us for. Are you actively listening to what Jesus says is your part in the next season? Because you know, you signed up at this church. You know this is not the church where I give a couple, 10 to 20 bucks every week or whatever or more. And I'm paying Andy to be good. He's the one who's paid to be good for the rest of us. Right? (laughs) You know know that's not how this church works. So are you listening actively to your part in what this next season of the mission of this church is going to be? We're inviting our church body to retreat with Jesus. We're asking you to think about retreating with Jesus in order to advance with Jesus. That's why you do retreats. Retreat so you can advance. And so we're hosting our very first Closer Walk retreat. I just announced it a little while ago to carve out seven hours on Saturday, November the 5th. Are you actively listening to the Spirit of Jesus inviting you to throw some elbows with your schedule? Because that's what it takes. Let's just be honest. You're going to have to look at your calendar and throw elbows and say, no, I'm carving out these seven hours for my benefit, for our family's benefit to come and retreat for a moment in your life, to be able to be connected with him and the people of God and find that blessed reconnection. I want to encourage you. I'll put it up on the screen. Sign up. Sign up now. santacruzfaith.org, closer walk. We're also in a time of asking the people of this church to pray about and assess what you're giving to the mission of Faith Community Church. If you're new to this church, you might be like, we're talking about giving a lot. I just want you to know we do not most of the time. This is an act of obedience on my part and on the elder's part. Because it's not we don't normally talk about this that that much at all. We just we just go, woohoo, look at what God's done and all things are good, but the Lord's saying there's more to be done. Are you praying? Are you actively listening to the Spirit of Jesus Christ? And, and the first part of this, are you actively listening? That first of all, reminding you that every asset he's shared with you, is all his. It's actually his. Your house, your home, your cars, your debt. Hopefully you can get out of it. And all the other things, it's all his. Hearing that, and then hearing that he's able to care for you. He's done it up to this point. I mean, just look at your large screen TV in your room and just go, he's crazy generous. Why do I need that? And he's given it to me. To be reminded that God is faithful as you go into this prayer and actively listening, hearing that. And then second, are you integrating that whole reminder into an act of faith in your giving to the mission of this church? Or maybe the, a faith to a missionary that has sent you a letter, a friend of yours, to say, uh, God's doing great things. Would you give? I'm going to invite Calvin to come on up. And uh, we're going to do some more singing and. I fully admit to you, I am not as good as I want to be at really actively listening to Jesus. I grew up in a church culture that really was dedicated to try to listen to Jesus, but there were so many times in which we did things, we did some funny stuff to sort of explain, like, that's not exactly what he must have meant. So I'm still trying to get, get out of that. But I also know the people of this church. I know many of you in this church, and I love you. And I know your heart feels what I feel. I know that. I know that many of you are spending time trying to hear from Jesus. And I know you truly want to be active listeners of Jesus. So I'm telling you now, I'm going to pray for you. and And I'm asking that you pray for me. That all of us will really actively listening to the one who is, as Dallas Willard said, the smartest man who ever lived with the best information on everything. So that we'll increasingly live with the richest insights into what abundant life actually is and how to live it. Jesus calls us to have a heart ready for active listening. So let's all increasingly become true apprentices of Jesus by taking what he says and actually trying to integrate it into our real lives. Let's pray. Father, I, I know I'm right with everybody here that um, I want to be a good listener. And I yet so often fall short. And as I just said, I want to pray for the people. And I hope that they will pray with, with me and for me. That all of us will grow in our capacity to have active listening skills. That we can hear your heart and hear it to the point that it enters into the real world part of the active listening. Where it actually comes alive. And what we're doing with our lives. So God, would you bless the people who hear this? Would you bless this church in this journey of your invitation to active listening? We love you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this production of Faith Community Church in Santa Cruz, California visit our complete archive of sermons, to learn more about FCC, or to view our live streaming services, please visit us online at santacruzfaith.org.